Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. Give a round, warm welcome to Micah. Well, good morning. It's an honor to be at West Point here in Delano. And if I have bags under my eyes, it's because I drove in this morning from Alexandria, Minnesota. And uh, I was up there for a uh, Chi Alpha retreat. If you don't know anything about Chi Alpha, it's a, a bunch of college students from the University of Minnesota, St. Thomas, St. Kate's, and Normandale who gathered for a retreat. And so just coming off the road, to be here with you guys this morning, and I want to start off by giving honor to your lead pastor, Pastor Paul and his wife, Laura, and uh, thank you so much for having us come, and your staff, and Pastor Michael, and your other staff that's here, and if you don't know this, I'm telling you right now, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Churches all over the country are taking time to honor their leadership and honor their pastor, and can we give a round of applause for the staff who serves this church who comes, who prays, and we want to say thank you. It's one thing to give an applause. It's another thing to write a handwritten card or to um, give a gift card or to show a small token of appreciation. And uh, it's also biblical. Uh, If we need any more means, it's biblical to honor and lift up the arms of our leadership. Uh, My wife and I, like Pastor said, we get the opportunity to travel and preach all over the country, and I want to give one bit of a correction. Uh, Michael mentioned I was a youth pastor for 19 years. If you do the math, you're looking at me being like, this guy looks young for being a youth pastor for 19 years. Well, I wasn't a youth. I was at the church for 19 years, youth pastor for five of those years. So I'm I'm a tad under the age that you maybe may have done in the mathematical equation there. But uh, we've been on the road for the last two years, and uh, the reason why we're on the road is because God called us to do it. That's literally the only reason. And uh, so we're evangelists, and um, you really don't see the role of the evangelist uh, maybe like you did in the 70s, the 80s, and 90s where you'd see the revivals on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Then you do a Sunday morning service. And a lot of people were questioning as to why we stepped out and did it. And uh, the last two years, we have watched God uh, faithfully open up doors for our ministry. Uh, we just preached in Hawaii this last year. We've preached in Alaska, preached in Montreal, uh, preached kind of all over the country and all over the world, really. And uh, how we run our ministry is we just say, God, would you bring us to every place we're supposed to go? Billy Graham prayed a prayer early on in his ministry. He said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll be whoever you want me to be. And we've stolen that prayer. We've adopted that prayer. And how many of you know that's a really dangerous prayer to pray? God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be who you want me to be. But we recognize being in Delano this morning with you as an opportunity that God led us here for such a time time as this. And uh, before we get started, I want to introduce you real quick to my family. This is my wife. I brought a picture of my wife. We met at North Central University, which is a university in downtown Minneapolis. And uh, something amazing came away from it, and I, I found a, a treasure. I found my wife. And, um, and so we traveled together. Uh, my wife's a worship leader, and we're part of a home church back in Burnsville when we're off the road. And uh, usually my wife travels with me full time. However, the wife and kids got sick this past week and so they needed to stay home and on top of it our furnace went out this past weekend 
And so it's just kind of uh, raining and pouring right now. Um, but it's a, a real honor and treat for us to be here. We had a baby. You can put up the next picture. This is a picture of Everly. And my wife, she put off some clothes for me. And she goes, Micah, would you mind dressing our baby and getting her ready for church? And I said, how hard is it to dress a baby? It's not that difficult, you know. I dress myself. I can dress a, a little child. Like, that's not hard. And so I dressed up my baby. I brought her to church. And all these moms in the church were looking at me weird when I was carrying in my daughter. And they looked at me, and they saw me carrying in Evan. They go, Micah, did you dress your daughter? And I said, I sure did. Doesn't she look really beautiful? I mean, her outfit's great. I dressed her. And a mom pulled me aside, and she goes, Micah, I just want you to know, for, for future reference, when, when you dress a baby, you, you, you put on the onesie first. And and then you put on the pants, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't know there was a proper way to dress a baby. In my opinion, you, you put on your pants first, and then you put on the shirt. It's not that hard. But I'm still learning what it means to be a father. I guess there's unique ways of dressing kids. To me, they have clothes on. They're warm. We're fine, you know? This is the way a man thinks, okay? This is the way a guy thinks. And so uh, that's Everly, and this is a picture of Everly now. Uh, this is an updated picture of her, and she's three years old. She's a gem, and uh, she's not alone as she has a baby brother, and you can put up the next picture. This is Malachi here, and uh, Malachi's a big baby. When you look at that, you think he's a year old, but he's only one month old in that picture. Uh, he's in the 90th percentile, and my son is now one, and he's a destroyer of all things in her house. And, uh, and so it was beautiful witnessing the baby dedication today. Um, and uh, I thought to myself, those two girls, they need a brother to look out after them because those girls are precious. They're beautiful. Uh, but no, today is really one of the utmost honors to preach on something that I'm so passionate about, and it's preaching on behalf of those who don't have the privilege like you and I have to hear the gospel or the privilege that don't have uh, access to things that we have. And a lot of us go through life and we wonder, why do we deal with what we deal with and why do we face some of the hardships that we go through? And uh, we look in our culture today and when you flip on the news, it's not long, but you hear of stories that provoke emotion, anger, frustration, uh, feelings of jealousy, maybe uh, feelings of frustration and all these different feelings can come into play. And God gives us a biblical reason as to why we see the things playing out in our world the way that we do today. And the biblical reason and the biblical basis why we see what we see is because man didn't choose God, but man decided to choose sin over God. And the minute sin entered the world, the minute we began to have disease, we began to have corruption, we began to have immorality, we began to have divorce, we began to have affair, we began to have incurable diseases. And I brought a few pictures today that demonstrate some of the things that are going on in the world today, the injustices, the needs that exist, and the whole reason why is because of this original sin that came into the world. You can put up the first picture. But today we have people who are literally dying every single day due to water-related diseases. I know this doesn't make sense to you, but living in America and the very fact that you have a pillow and a bed to sleep on and you have a shelter overshadowing your family and the very fact that you may even own one car designates you as a very rich person. And the picture behind me isn't some uh, you know, uh, uh, picture taken from online. This is a real thing that I witnessed with my own eyes. 
I had the opportunity to go to Mafia Island where I witnessed as people would go to water holes like this where animals would go and bathe and drink out of and people would take water from impure water sources and use that to try to cook and try to um, provide for their family and in turn, people are dying every single day, children are dying every single day due to water-related diseases. And yet you and I took a shower this morning, drank from our fridge, and we never ever have to wake up wondering if our water is going to be pure or not. You and I go to work every day not knowing if we're going to die because of a disease that we contracted from the water we drink. We are a very blessed people group. Why in the world do young children and young people die in our world today? It's because of sin. You can put up the next picture. This is a picture of, of kids in Africa who are waiting for their next meal and wondering where their next meal is going to come from. Malnutrition, not getting food, yet you and I will attempt to go eat somewhere today and decide we don't like it and choose to throw it away when food is some of the greatest possessions. It's like treasure for people. When they see food wasted, it boggles their mind because they're hoping they could just get some of that for their family. It's the consequences of sin in our world today. God never set up the world with lack. He never set up the world without. He set up the world with abundance. It was pure. It was good. It was beautiful. He called man to steward the things that God had created. And yet here we are dealing with issues in our world today. You can put up the next picture. This next picture is very real. My sister had the opportunity to travel to Haiti. And as she traveled to Haiti, she walked down orphanages where babies were given up by moms because they couldn't provide for the baby so babies would be found in dumpsters or trash cans or on the side of the road. And it wouldn't be uncommon for you today to walk down the streets of Haiti and watch orphans and watch kids or newborn babies crying in the streets. And there's workers that come along and scoop up these kids and they bring them in orphanages. And as my sister would walk down the orphanage hallway, as she got close, the babies would lift up their arms and begin to scream and begin to cry, just wanting someone to hold them. Why do we have a need in our world today where so many kids fill orphanages yet no one is adopting and no one is taking them in? Why do we have injustices where young babies aren't being cared for and taken care of? It's because of sin. And the next video I'm going to show you today, I want to uh, use maturity with it. This is a mature video. It's for adults in the room. And so if you feel like maybe a kid shouldn't watch it or, or, or it might be too hard, I would suggest just... Um, distracting or those kinds of things, but this is a real injustice that's existing in the world today. Uh, this won't show any graphic images or any weird type things. It's just something that should be for adults who have an understanding. I want you to take a look at this video and the realization of what's going on in our world today.
This is a very real thing that's not just existing in other countries. I happened to go to Thailand for a trip, and I watched as European businessmen would buy slaves, ages 10, 11, year olds, girls, feeding this man grapes, hired to do whatever he wanted. This is not okay. Does it move you? Does it do something inside of you? As followers of Christ, it's common and normal to be moved with an internal compassion, an internal moving that cannot let you stay in the seat that you're in, but causes you to step out and do something about it. It causes you to move to an action. In fact, it's not just happening in India, it's not just happening in Thailand. There are literally girls being escorted down 94 and 35 from Minnesota down through. Mall of America is actually a big hub that is used to exploit or traffic or take advantage. My sister who worked at a retail shop there was attempted to be lured away from her job and sold into sex trafficking. My own sister was battling this right here in our backyard in Minnesota. And I look at the things going on in the world today, and it's not to glorify sin, but it's to say this. Jesus came for a response and a solution to the sin that exists in the world today. And the very death and resurrection that Jesus did and accomplished wasn't meant just to stay with the resurrection, but was meant to birth something called the church, to be his plan A, to rescue and do something about it in the world today. There's a solution for it all. There's a response for it all. And it's the people that are gathered in West Point today. It's the people that are gathered in Delano. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ Jesus? Is there any hope from being a child of God? You better believe it. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. In the very room today is not darkness, but a bunch of people who are carriers of the light and presence of God. The light of God reigns inside of you. He lives inside of you. It's a light that wasn't meant to be covered up, but a light meant to be on this pedestal for all to see. And this morning, I want to lead us to a passage of what Jesus might say to us in our response of some of the things that we've witnessed. And the same response Jesus gave 2,000 years ago is the same response he still gives to the church today. Jesus, his whole goal was to find followers and call them to follow him and then release them to go do ministry. Jesus releases his disciples and when they come back, they report all that they had done. I can imagine the highlight reel, watching as these disciples were healing people and preaching the gospel and seeing amazing results and outcomes. Jesus says, let's get in the boat and let's get away. They go and withdraw and they get away and they report to Jesus the things that have going on. But so many times in Jesus' ministry, when he would get away or attempt to get away, there were always crowds awaiting his arrival. And if you've ever been to Galilee, if you've ever been to Israel, you can see that if Jesus gets in a boat, you can watch him go from one side to the next because the Sea of Galilee really isn't that big. And so it's no surprise that crowds would go and await for Jesus' arrival because they could watch what boat he was in and track him wherever he went. So Jesus shows up on the scene with his disciples. There's a large crowd there. Jesus gets out of the boat. The very first reaction that Jesus has is he begins to have compassion on the multitudes that are without a shepherd. The Greek word for compassion means an inward movement. It means to move you in a serious way, a conviction type way, a way that moves to action. It says Jesus gets out of the boat and he begins healing every person that needed healing and began to proclaim the kingdom 
kingdom of God. You want to know the nature of Christ? It's healer and it's proclaiming the gospel is here. If you want to know what the nature of Christ is, it's healing and it's proclaiming the good news and letting others hear about who it is. And the disciples being like you and I, we can resonate a whole lot with them because they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we got a problem here. Jesus says, what's the problem? We've been here all day. Remember, we're tired from our missionary journey. I thought we were going to recap some of the stories and talk about it. But we got a problem here. All these people, they've been here all day, and there's no food here. So let's send them away so they can go get food. In other words, let us put our own comfort, our own desires ahead of other people and serving people. And the same response Jesus gave to them, he gives to us. He says this very clearly in verse 13 of Luke 9. You give them something to eat. You see a problem, you see a need, you give them something to eat. In other words, if you're taking notes, number one today is this. You see a need, you meet a need. You see a need, you meet a need. And I love this because as followers of Christ, the same solution has never stopped from what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. It's the same solution today. God's allowed you to walk in your businesses, to walk in your schools, to walk in your areas of your homes, and every day you see a need. Well, when are we going to actually step up and see a need, but then actually meet the need? And can you imagine the response of the disciples? Um... You want us to give them something to eat. Cool, Jesus. You know all the food we got and all the money we have following you. It's a lucrative business. We could just buy them food. No, they couldn't. They didn't have food. They didn't have money. But Jesus says, you do something about it. And know what I love about West Point? And know what I love about what God's doing here and among the youth of Minnesota and around the world is this. 75 years ago, exactly 75 years ago, a young man was praying and seeking God. God gave him a vision, and here's what the vision was. Know what, what it was 75 years ago? World War II, 1944. The war was still going on. In the middle of chaos in America and chaos of a world war, God birthed a dream of something called speed the light in a young man's heart. Speed the light was this, that God was going to use the youth of America, the teenagers of America, to catch God's heart for missions and give up sacrificially money to provide missionaries vehicles, sound equipment, airplanes to spread the greatest message that could ever be spread called the gospel. And the goal that was on this young man's heart for the youth of America was to raise $100,000 in 1944 to launch something called Speed the Light. People thought he was crazy. They thought he was outlandish vehicles and automobiles were in a shortage in the United States because a lot of the efforts went to provide vehicles for war. Planes in the air were seen as weapons of mass destruction. Humvees, Hummers, different aircraft were seen as a way to bring destruction to the enemy. Yet in that time, in the time of war, God had a different idea for the youth of America. In 1944, the teenagers in America gave over $100,000 to speed the light that first year. And the very first vehicle they bought was an amphibious plane that flew to Liberia to bring Liberians the gospel and the message of the gospel and every time the plane would fly in, they never saw it as a means to destroy. They saw it as a life-giving message that people could receive and come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And ever since that day in 1944, the youth of America have given over $300 million to missions so that people can hear the greatest message ever preached. And guess who's a part of that? West Point is. 
the youth in this church, the staff in this church, the leaders in this church. Do you understand this? This very church right here in Delano is inspiring the country in the United States of America. What do you mean? I get to preach all over the country. You want to know what story I'm bringing everywhere I go? Is what West Point Church in Delano did last year for missions to give sacrificially so people could hear the gospel. A youth pastor, a senior pastor, the leadership of this church selling cars, doing crazy things to give to missions so people can hear about Christ. See a need, meet a need. And you guys are doing that. You guys are inspiring people. Your youth pastor, Pastor Michael, got up in front of a room with about 100 pastors and youth pastors and began to describe and share what God was doing here in Delano. You want to know who was inspired? All these youth pastors who were listening to Michael share. Just what God's doing through ordinary people. And I'll just say this. Not only is Jesus telling us to do something about it, but point number two is this. Is all that's asked of us is to give God what we have and to watch him multiply it. Jesus never looked at the disciples and says, hey, why don't you go and buy food for everybody because you clearly don't have it. Jesus never asked the disciples to give what they didn't have. Jesus just said, give me what you have and I will multiply it. If you want to know how the kingdom of God works, it's taking your ordinary life, the things God has given you right now that he's entrusted you with, surrendered over to him and watching him multiply it for his kingdom. That's what it's about. And know what's happening is students are beginning to catch God's heart to merely give what they have and watching God multiply it. I brought a video of a girl who understood this principle, who dared to believe God to do something extraordinary, but knew all she had was a bow and arrow. Take a look at how God used a bow and arrow in hunting for his kingdom and his glory. Take a look at this video. My heart just went crazy and I tried not to fall out of my tree. And in that one moment, I knew that I had to make it count and you just have to let it go. At camp last year in 2014, I kept getting a number when I prayed about Speed the Light, my goal and just other things I was praying about and I kept getting the number 734 and I began to raise money. Um, I hauled wood for my grandparents and I did chores for my mom and dad. It got towards the end. It was near the date where we were supposed to turn in the money and I, um, I needed exactly $230 to reach my goal. And my dad had made a deal with me that he would pay me a dollar per pound of deer that I killed. So, um, and I hunted in Ontario at our cabin for over three weeks. I was there. I prayed and prayed and prayed while I was sitting on the stand. And um, finally, I saw this huge monster buck coming through the woods. And I pulled off a crazy shot. It was, should have been completely impossible. I could have never done it by myself. So I know it was God who helped me do that. And um, I was so excited, I cried. <laughs> we found him and we went back and we weighed him and he was exactly 230 pounds. You can't just sit there 
and wait for something to happen. You have to meet God halfway. I can hunt. What can you do? God loves to take what you have and multiply it. Some of you in the room are school teachers, or you work at a local business here in Delano, or maybe you own a company. I wonder what things uniquely God has gifted you and given you, that if you were merely just to say, God, how do you want me to use the tools in my hands that you've already given me to surrender back over you to multiply it for your kingdom? Know what I love about that? That girl will never forget that divine moment with God. That girl's life is forever impacted. And know what I'm watching take place? Is it's not just her, but students like her all over America that are catching God's heart and obeying him and watching him do the impossible. Every person was fed that day to their fill. And every person that gives sacrificially might not see the feeding in their lifetime. But one day when they get to heaven, I can't imagine the groups of people that will say, you're from Delano? You're from that church that sold those cars? You're from that place that gave from your business? That's you? I came to know Jesus because of you. You sacrificed. You gave generously. You sowed into something that you might not ever see the return of. That right there is the heart of God. You want to know what the antidote was to the pharisaical heart? It was generosity. Jesus commanded the Pharisees, give generously to the poor. Then maybe your heart will go from corrupt to being right. You want to know what spiritual maturity looks like? It's matched by generosity. It's matched by your willingness to trust God. I think of a girl, Lydia, this two years ago, who's sitting at youth convention. You can put up the picture of Lydia. And she was sitting there and she said, God, what do you want me to do? She felt like God said, I want you to give $1,000. She's an 11-year-old girl to give $1,000. Are you kidding me? But her family trained horses, so she grew up knowing how to train horses. So she bought a pony with her own money, decided to train the pony, and after training it, she'd sell the pony and give it to missions. It'd be a missions pony. And so this girl trained it for several months, put it on for sale. No one was calling. No one was buying. A month goes by. She goes to her youth pastor. She's discouraged. She felt like she was being obedient. Youth pastor and youth group prays for her. Two days after she's prayed for, someone calls out of the blue and says, Hey, I saw your pony in the ad, and I wanted to make an offer. I don't know if uh, someone's put an offer yet, but I'd love to offer you $2,500 to buy your pony from you. Would that be okay? God put a goal in her heart to raise 1000 She got 2500 gave the money to speed the light, took 500 back of it, bought another pony, and is doing it again this year. When you obey Jesus and give God what you have and you watch him multiply, you can't help but dream for more with God. And know what's amazing is this church gets that. This church understands that. And the people of Delano are inspiring our country. I'm preaching in Oklahoma. I'm preaching in Arizona. I'm preaching in Illinois. I'm preaching in Missouri. And you want to know what I'm sharing about? I'm sharing about missions and everywhere I preach. And you want to know how many kids are going to hear this message? Close to 15,000 kids are going to hear this message. And guess what they get to hear about? Delano. Delano. 
And know what I love about the leadership of this church is they dare to dream and believe God for something extraordinary, something impossible. But God and how he's always worked in his kingdom is to use ordinary people like yourself and like me to accomplish his purposes on the earth. You want to know what's crazy? Is you might not ever get to hear about the reward of what you sow and gave generously. But let me tell you a backstory to something you'll never hear. I was in Panama on a mission trip doing school assemblies. And the missionary looks at me. He says, Micah, you see that evangelist sharing about Christ in the schools? Because they can talk about Jesus in the schools. You see all this? I said, yeah. He said, you see the microphone he's talking from? I said, yeah. He said, if your students in Minnesota wouldn't have given financially, he wouldn't have had a microphone to preach the gospel. And how many of you know it's <laughs> But when you have a microphone, you can hear what's being presented. Mikey, you see that sound system over there and the 100 kids that are in the room hearing the gospel? They wouldn't have heard the gospel today had your kids not provided the sound equipment for them to hear the gospel. Mikey, you know the van that we took to get here? We wouldn't have been able to drive two hours to get to this spot if your kids wouldn't have provided a van for us to speed the light and get here to share the gospel. A bunch of students raised their hand to receive Christ that day, and there's one girl sitting in the middle row who won't stop crying. The class is dismissed. People are supposed to go on. Teachers are coming in the room trying to get this young girl to go to class. And when we, our team goes up around her to pray for her, we're saying, how can we pray for you? What's going on? She says, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. We're like, why? What's going on? She said, today I had plans to commit suicide. Today I was going to take my life. I had plans to commit suicide. But today I heard a different message that I didn't need to take my life, but someone laid down their life for me so that I could have abundant life. And I received the gospel message. But here's the deal. The reason why I was going to take my life was because my dad got me pregnant and I'm 15 years old. And I didn't want to have to look at my child and say that the father of my child was my own dad. And here we are watching a full circle story of students in Minnesota giving so a girl in Panama at the age of 15 who was going to commit suicide not only is saved physically, but comes to know Christ and gets connected with the local church that same day. Those are the stories you don't hear. Those are the stories that you never circle back around to hear where your money actually goes and what it does. And you want to know what's amazing? Is every dollar that's taking up in today's offering is going to go and fight the injustice of sex trafficking. We have organizations like Free International and Project Rescue that go and be a part of rescue plans and they're a part of holistic restoration where they are put in safe houses, they're counseled, they're given the gospel, they're an opportunity to get back into society and today Delano has an opportunity to play a part in that. To take up the offering this morning, I want to invite one of your pastors to come on up and share his heart and what God's put on his heart to do for an impossible dream and goal that's here in Delano. Thank you. So, if we look back on last year, I, my mind has just been blown on this. Our goal last year was, what? It was $20,000. And we raised $30,000. And since that offering, since we sent that in, and it, the whole year is done, all that I remember is that we raised $30,000, and I'm like, that must have been what our goal was. I, I didn't, haven't even remembered that our $20,000 goal was there. And I love that when God does a miracle, that becomes our new reality. And as we were looking at the year, this year, 
and trying to figure out what we should do. We just said, last year's goal is last year's thing. It's not enough for this year. And we want to see another miracle this year. And so we've got a goal of $45,000 uh, to raise by the end of the year. And as I've been thinking about it, I don't know how we're going to do it. I have no idea how that's even possible because last year, $20,000 was like, I have no idea how we're going to do that. And God doubled up on us and we raised 30000 And so our, our ushers are going to be passing out um, a card. We're going to do this youth group style. We're going to pass out pledge cards. So I love what Micah was sharing because that's the exact same thing that God was speaking to me as I woke up this morning. And uh, as I woke up this morning thinking about, I'm going to have to give this offering pitch to you guys. And last week we had Teen Challenge here and I gave you an offering pitch. And then Sunday night we had missionaries here and I gave you an offering pitch. And then we've been doing the building project and giving an offering pitch. And then we've got another missions project coming up in November and we're going to give you an offering pitch. And where does all this money come from? I have no idea. And so what we can do is give God what we have. And so what do you have this morning? Um, on this pledge card, uh, one, what can you give this morning? We're going to be taking up an offering at the back as you leave. What can you give this morning? Maybe it's a couple dollars. Uh, maybe it's $50. Whatever it is, uh, what can you give this morning? Um, the second thing is, what can you give going forward? Uh, what do you have for talents? What do you have for things at home? Uh, last year we started this. You can donate your old car to West Point Church. We'll fix it up and sell it, and all the proceeds go to Speed the Light. We, we had four cars last year. That was like three to $4,000. Um, maybe you've got some awesome golf clubs. Maybe you've got stocks and you can sell a couple stocks. Maybe you've got a huge coin jar in your living room. Uh, maybe you've got some really uh, worthwhile antiques at home. Uh, you've got a four-wheeler, a boat, an old car, whatever it is. Like, what do you have that's not a cash thing? What do you have that you can uh, either sell yourself or donate to the church? Like, it's tax deductible. Um, and then... Uh, I read a book about William Booth and the Salvation Army last month. And uh, in 1886, they needed a lot of money because their ministry was going, growing and they were running out of funds. And they had this brilliant idea called uh, the Self-Denial Week, where they said, if everybody could just give up one thing for a week, what could we raise? And so in the first year that they did that, they raised $24,000, which is in today's equivalent, $650,000 that they raised in a week. <laughs> and the crazy thing is that most of that came in as pennies. Because everybody was just giving up a little something. It started out from one guy saying, I could give up my pudding. And so what can you give up this week or this month or for the rest of the year? Maybe it's Netflix. Uh, maybe it's like a steak this week or eating out. Uh, skip coffee on the way to work. Skip a couple lunches this week. Uh, manicure. Don't go bowling or on a night out. Like Whatever it is, what can we give up so that those who have nothing can gain everything? Um, in a couple weeks, harvest is going to be starting here. 
in the Midwest, and I'm going to start waking up at three or four in the morning and hauling two loads of corn down to Savage, and then I'm going to go to work. And I'm going to do that for two weeks, and I don't want to do that. It sucks waking up at three o'clock in the morning and then working for the rest of the day, but this is like an extra side job that God has just like dropped in my lap, and I'm going to do it all for Speed the Light. And so what is it that you have? Uh, maybe you've got a business. Um, maybe, you, maybe you've got relationships at work. Whatever it is, what can you give up? And what can you sacrifice in your life uh, so that somebody can have the hope of Jesus Christ and then meet their physical needs, rescue them from sex slavery, give them clean drinking water, food. So one, what can you give today? Two, what can you give going forward? What can you give up and sacrifice? And three, I want to challenge you to tell somebody this week about Speed the Light. Who else can we get on board with that, with Speed the Light, who's not even here hearing this message this morning? And uh, so as you leave, there's an offering in the back. And I just want to pray for us as we get ready to witness a miracle. We are going to witness a miracle. Amen.